Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Crunch Time Podcast. So we're doing an episode without Rodrigo today, and that's great, because now we get to talk about baseball. Um, and today we're going to be talking about electronic strike zones, and should they exist, and to what capacity. And we'll start with JW. I think the MLB needs to put in the electronic strike zone as soon as possible. They should put it in this playoff, and... I think you still need to keep the umpires around because someone has to tell everyone, you know, whether it was a striker ball out or safe, and they can, you know, decipher if it's obvious. But I think they should have a little earpiece in their ear telling them if it's a strike or if it's a ball. And so then they will never miss up a call again. There won't be any fans who are like, you know, trying to get the umpires killed every year and sending them death death threats because – they blew a call for their team. Okay. I mean. Jim Joyce. You see how good the electronic strike zones are on TV. They've had them for years. And every year people are telling the MLB to add them. And it wouldn't take away jobs from umpires because they still need to be there. But, I mean, you just, I think it's, they they need to add it right now. So all I have to say about this is human error is always a factor. Like, right now, the umpires could just, like, maybe miss a call by a few inches and think that a ball is actually a strike and strike as a ball or so on. But if you do give them the electronic, like, in earpiece just to communicate with the person that's telling them ball or strike, it's so easy, and that completely eliminates all possible human error. So, um, I kind of disagree with y'all. I actually think that they should, pitchers and catchers should have strike zone challenges. So you keep the home plate umpire and he calls his game. And then either the pitcher or catcher, you get three of these a game, basically. And let's say you have Angel Hernandez. And Angel Hernandez should literally, he is blind and he should have like, I don't know, he should have like he shouldn't sunglasses. Even be a, he shouldn't even he should be have like me. a service dog. Um, anyway, say he calls one in the dirt for a strike. It's clear, it's clearly not a strike. The pitcher and catcher should challenge it, and that's when you go to the electronic strike zone. But the umpire should be able to call balls and strikes because sometimes where an umpire's zone is, it is important. Yeah, but think of it like this. If you have them challenging strikes, it'll be like you think one ball is a strike, and then every other pitch basically you'll have, oh, I think that was a strike. I'm challenging that one. That's why you get a limit of three a game, and even if you get it Mm -hmm. right, you can't challenge it. Three a game? Absolutely nothing. No, Dick's so long. Yeah, the, the problem with that is it. Why not just have a built-in headphones, like just a singular headphone, and it would do the exact same thing, like just get, every single play. So, like, I get what you're saying with only three a game, right? It'll only be for those three or so times when you actually need it. But I mean, honestly, you could just do the same exact thing and have it work far better with just like an earpiece, you know? And have it work It'll every. Be, single and not only play. that, but it won't jeopardize sort of like the whole umpire's like job and that kind of thing. And we don't want to get into that because. I mean, I'm uh, I think we can all also, agree that the most t- interesting part of umpires is how they call the batter out when they strike <laughs> out. Like with the whole fancy leg kick and everything, <laughs> you wouldn't have that with the technology. Come on. No, if you keep the airpiece, they still got to punch them out yeah. every time. Um, I, I, really, I really disagree with y'all, especially with baseball's pace of play issues. That's part of the reason why most MLB executives think that it's not getting – kind of the popularity of some of the other major sports. So well, like, I will say, within, if, if on every single close pitch, because pitchers these days are so good at just painting corners, on every single close pitch, if you have to, oh, oh, what's that? Oh, 
strike. It will take them like maybe a second. You see on the TV, right as the guy throws it, they they have a thing up there, and the TV only has about a three or four second delay. So I mean, really, the pitcher can you know finish the pitch, and then two seconds probably he calls the strike. It's like when you're at the Astros games, like. I know some seats you can see a TV too, like when you're sitting in the Inspirity Club GW. You see, like, they throw a pitch and everything, and then it's like a, maybe one second delay on the TV screen. So just think it'd be like the exact same thing. You just see somebody else who probably has a better connection to the game, I would say. They would just be like, okay, that's a strike. You know, fire goes strike. Also, the zones aren't perfect. Sometimes they don't account for. So I've seen, I was watching an Astros Yankees game with one of those zones. And it didn't do a good job of accounting for the height differential between Jose Altuve yeah, and Aaron Judge. Judge. Yeah. It, the it, exact same. It, the shit, so their strike zones maybe have about a two-foot difference. Most likely. And it kind of shifted maybe six inches up or down. So it, it's, it doesn't really do a good job of that. I think, well, it might be a good idea later. Also, when the ball crosses the plate. That that might also give an issue. Well, actually, when you look at the new pitch FX technology that they have in all stadiums, which aren't allowed to be used by the um, by the TV providers. people, the pitch FX those can show you a 3D model and render it in almost like one second, and they can only be used by the uh, by the MLB, like by both teams, and they show you a complete 3D model in like half a second, and those are actually perfect, and they have about. 20 cameras all around the stadium that will give you like the perfect strike zone exactly. And of course, we can always improve whatever sort of technology we put in there, right? You're talking about the really sort of the difference between like six inches between height, right? That's something we can we can improve if we institute this. You know, I mean, you can't improve it if you don't use it. So yeah. the more you use it, the more perfect it becomes. And once it gets better and better, it will just become a system at some point where it can't get any better. Let's say you have like an exact 3D model of everything that's going on, and the umpire can just hear, okay, that's a strike. It's not. So, so when that day comes, fine, use it, but right now I don't think the technology is advanced enough to use it. You can't advance it enough until you use it. That's the thing. You no, you can advance it. Trial and error it before yeah, you can do trial and error without actually integrating it and making it an integral part of the game. Also, the technology is also like it's already here. I'm watching the Astros game right now. And it's giving me like a 3D model of literally the batter, the whole field, and the strike zone. If they can do that on a mobile app, I'm pretty sure a giant stadium could do that too. With the Dodgers' loss in Game 5 to the Nationals in the DS round, uh, the Dodgers have had a very talented team for three or four years now and have never won a World Series. And that brings up the question of their manager, Dave Roberts, and even with a talented team, should he stay? I think he's definitely on the hot seat with the uh, with the head heads up in this organization. I mean, he just can't get it done late into the playoffs and in big games. He he's overused pitchers before. He's not used the right pitcher in certain situations, and in a lot of losses, he's had people criticize him for how he uses his bullpen. And I feel like if the organization really wants to win a World Series and not just be a playoff team with this amazing squad that they have right now, I think they need to find a guy who can manage the bullpen better than Dave Roberts. 
I, I would agree. Um, in 2017, Game Two of the World Series, um, Dave, in tenth, it's a tied game. It's in extras, and every game in the World Series, especially the early ones, count for so much. And he puts in Josh Fields to pitch the tenth. Now, if you have not heard of Josh Fields before, except for when he got absolutely crushed, there's a good reason for that. He kind of sucks. Um, in he put in Clayton Kershaw this last week to face the heart of the Nationals order with some formidable hitters, Juan Soto, um, Anthony Rendon, both 30 home run guys. And you want to know what they do? They go back to back off him. He does not put in the right pitchers in the right situations. Clayton Kershaw's god awful in the playoffs. He has the highest playoff ERA of any pitcher ever. Um, and he just he tries to win, but he he's misguided in some of his moves, and it does hinder the Dodgers' progress at winning World Series. I think with a team as good as the Dodgers, you should at least be able to make it into the CS. I mean, you have. Everyone you need, essentially, to make it to the World Series, if not win the World Series, he just doesn't because of bad management. Like, if he knew when to strategically put in each pitcher, or, like, he chose to put them in at better times, he would at least have made it probably, well, sorry, possibly won the World Series in 2017, and probably won last year. Uh, Yeah, I would agree with that. I think... Um, if AJ Hinch, Alex Cora, any any of the managers that have won the last five World Series were to be managing the Dodgers in the postseason, they would have won at least two World Series. I think maybe not because I think at least one because I think last year versus the Red Sox, the Red Sox were just so good last year. Tons of guys on their teams had career years and just went off that year. Yeah. And so I don't know if they could have won that year, but. The year before that, I think if they had managed the bullpen better, I think they would have had a very good shot of winning that World Series. And this year, I think if they had managed the bullpen well against the Nationals, they were winning that game until they went off with the back-to-back home runs on Kershaw. In the ace. So, I mean, I just don't think he's good enough to keep this organization to a World Series. Yeah, to get them to where they want because any team – can put up well. Any manager with this talent can put up a hundred plus win seasons, and that's what we're seeing. But when the management really matters in the postseason, where those decisions are really crucial, he's, as we've seen, failed to make the crucial decisions in the right light, and then we've seen the Dodgers struggle because of that. And so, although you look at his resume in the regular season, like oh, he looks like he's doing fine, it's not getting the Dodgers to where they want to be. They've been to the World Series multiple times, and that's a good place to be, but. Going back and not really improving, not getting better, that's not what you want to see. And I think something's got to change in Los Angeles. So do you, do you think he should be fired? Do, do you think he should be fired? I don't think he should be fired because I don't really see any managers out there on the market that are really good enough to get them to winning a World Series. That's a good point. Because Joe Madden, I I just don't see him signing with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And really, other than that, none of the other coaches out there on the hunt are proven enough and not proven enough with the bullpens. So I just don't think this year is the right time to fire him. Would you sign Joe Matt If Joe Madden wanted to go to the Dodgers and you are the president of the Dodgers or the owner of the Dodgers, would you sign – 
Joe Madden as your manager and fire Dave Roberts. Oh, definitely. I just do not see Joe Madden. He is one of the best managers in the game of baseball. He fires up teams. He won that World Series in 2016. He's won the World with, Series with the Red Sox. Yes, he did. That was a bit longer ago. But 2016 won the World Series with the Cubs, broke that drought. Um, there's kind of a drought going with the Dodgers since 1986. And I think he could break that with their amazing team right now. Okay, so one of the big things over this past weekend and into this week was the Baker Mayfield, Richard Sherman handshake gate. And I think, obviously, Richard Sherman, once again, just showing that he is an absolute buffoon. And how do you lie in this day and age when everyone has cameras on you? It's just, he's, he, I get that he's a, Smart guy, went to Stanford, all of that. But that was a really stupid move. I mean, just, there's no reason to do that. But on the subject of Baker Mayfield, before the season, I said, don't take the Browns too seriously as a playoff contender. Take Baker Mayfield out of those MVP conversations because this is a blatant case of the media overhyping and overreacting to a young quarterback who is beating up on young teams. During the season, you saw, last season, you saw Baker Mayfield struggle against the good teams. And yet, when he went up against the Cincinnati Bengals, he looked great. Everybody looks great against the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay? Going into this coming season, everyone was like, Baker Mayfield, oh my god, Baker Mayfield, he was ranked ahead of Deshaun Watson in the top 100 players list. I'm not sure if players have TVs, but that's just terribly off. He, when people compared, said, when people said, who are the next young quarterbacks who are going to take the league by storm? It was, who would you rather have, Mahomes or Mayfield? Obviously, it's now clearly Mahomes or Watson, but... Too overhyped. Over, and also, I think the hype got into his head a little bit. You saw, I don't know, I think he put on some weight. He doesn't look like the same player. He's not moving the same way in the pocket. He's not completing the same amount of passes at the same percentage he was completing last year. Every time I turn on a TV, I get a Baker Mayfield commercial. I'm not sure if he was doing commercials instead of actually working on his game, but Baker Mayfield has this virtually the same O-line he had last year. I don't want to hear about the O-line. He has not been the same player. It has never worked in the NFL to act the way he is at. I heard something on SportsCenter last night that people say he acts like he's won 10 Super Bowls. Baker Mayfield, you have accomplished Nothing in the league. People are finally realizing that you are a below-average quarterback at this moment. And until he proves otherwise, he should not be considered what he was considered before the season started. And that was? And that was an elite quarterback. There were some lists that said he was a top-ten quarterback in the NFL. And that is a quarterback who won one game against a winning team who won one game out of the state of Ohio, who had everything 
go right in those few games he won, who has a very good defense, a very good running back. Just you're finally seeing Baker Mayfield not very good. This also brings, and frankly, a lot of people are blaming Freddie Kitchens. Watching the first half of the 49ers-Browns game, I saw some really creative play calling, getting Odell the ball when Baker Mayfield cannot get Odell the ball. There was one play to Nick Chubb, which fooled even the cameraman as Baker Mayfield faked the pitch and behind his back handed it off to Nick Chubb. There is some very creative play calling that the Browns have, but at the end of the day, when you have a quarterback who acts like he does, the same the thing that happened with the Niners, which you saw that they were extremely motivated to beat him. Nick Bosa was extremely motivated, which is why he planted that flag Great after that was an amazing celebration. But Baker Mayfield, you should stop focusing on making 250 commercials and stop focus and start focusing on your game because that's something you need to fix. Most interceptions since start of last year. If he keeps on this pace, he might be considered a bust. So two things. One, uh, a counterpoint to what you said. You said on the NFL 100 list, um, Baker Mayfield was higher than Deshaun Watson, correct? Yes. How many positions do you think that was? That was one. But that, yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't, Baker it, Mayfield it, is it not higher than Deshaun it Watson. It's, it's, no. I'm oh, okay. In two, um, I, earlier in a press conference this year, Rex Ryan called Baker Mayfield a one-read quarterback which I agree with. I watched the game against the 49ers, and when he needed to make a play, he looked at one guy the whole time. And then he rolled out a bit, and he looked the same guy. And then he got hit as he threw, and then he threw an interception. Um, and that's because he's not looking around at other guys that were, I think, um, his tight end, David... And Joku. And right now. Oh, he's hurt? Yeah. Well, whoever was playing tight end for them was wide open, uh, and he just didn't look at him. Uh, and... But in that, responding to what Rex Ryan said, Rex Ryan, he, Baker Mayfield quoted Freddie Kitchens saying, if you, if you don't wear orange and black, you don't matter. And right now, Rex Ryan isn't wearing any colors. Baker Mayfield is about to not be wearing any colors. He's playing that bad. He will be a career backup on this base. Yeah. I just, I mean, no one's going to care that Hulu has live sports. If you can't throw the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. when he's got a foot of separation on a guy. I mean, you saw some of the throws that he's been putting up this season. And last year, you you saw him. He wouldn't throw very accurate balls. This year, he's he looks like what Lamar Jackson looked like last year, except he can't run. He'd yeah. throw him. Sometimes he'll throw him great, but sometimes it'll just be off to the left. They'll throw it to the – Defensive back and not to the receiver. I just, I think he's declined. Instead of trying to predict a winner uh, between the Dolphins and the Redskins, two teams that it seems impossible that they could ever win a game this year, we're going to start our predictions this week with the game between the Texans and the Chiefs. I'm going to have to shoot the Chiefs here. I think they're just a better team against the Texans, and there's sort of an inconsistency with the the Texans and like just getting the ball down the field. So, you know what? I'll take Chiefs. I uh, say they win by two touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes' arm talent is too good for the Texans' secondary. Even though they did add um, Gibson after the loss to the Saints, right? Mm-hmm. 
they still one guy does not equal four guys. Um, I I really think that Patrick Mahomes will have he can he can roll away he can escape the Texans pressure and will be able to find targets downfield. And I have the Chiefs winning by six. I think you saw it two weeks ago with the Chiefs. Very close game with the Lions. Patrick Mahomes could not do anything against them. Then last week versus the Colts, the Colts shook the world and absolutely dominated the Chiefs. And then this week, the Chiefs, they've been going down. They're going to fall into a pit against the Texans. And the Texans are going to smoke them. What I think is going to happen is, even though I'd say Deshaun Watson is a good quarterback, I would still have trouble calling him like an elite quarterback, like the way I would say Patrick Mahomes. And I think Patrick Mahomes is going to kind of get back on track this week, and I think he's going to carry the Chiefs to a win over the Texans. I think the Texans get off to an early lead, okay? By about mid-third quarter, they're still in the lead, but then the killer and Mahomes comes out, and the Chiefs just bust it wide open, and they end up winning by a little over a touchdown, maybe like nine points. So I got the Chiefs. This game is going to be very exciting. I am very excited to see whether Deshaun Watson can be consistent for the first time this season. First game against the Saints, Monday night, played lights out. Next game against the Jaguars, not so much. Then played great against the Chargers, bad against the Panthers, and then had an absolutely perfect day against the Falcons. Then again, Marcus Mariota had a great day against the Falcons, so I'm not sure that means much. But if Deshaun Watson can sustain anywhere close to the level of the play that he did against the Falcons. I think the Texans have a real shot to be in this game. However, I just think Mahomes Mahomes has not lost a non-primetime game in his career. He has not lost back-to-back games. I think he will be extremely motivated. Tyree Kill is questionable. They are hopeful he can play. I think if Tyree Kill plays against that Texans secondary, they will be there will be little to no chance to stop Mahomes. I think both Deshaun and Mahomes play lights out. It's going to be an amazing duel to set up the next great rivalry in the NFL. But ultimately, I just think Mahomes is a better quarterback and has better weapons than Deshaun Watson, and that's why he's going to win. Um. So our next game that we're predicting is going to be in Louisiana, the Florida Gators travel to the travel to LSU to play the Tigers. Top ten ranked matchup. Who you got? I got LSU. You know what? I got LSU. Don't know too much about the Tigers, but I have faith in them. Um. So the the Florida defense put a lot of pressure on Bo Nix last week. I watched that game. He did not play a good game. He threw a, a lot of balls right into the hands of the Florida defensive backs, and they made him pay. However, the Florida offense did not gain a lot of separation in that game until late in the fourth quarter. And I think Jer- Joe Burrows has enough experience to be able to make the throws he needs to make and win the game for LSU. Uh, I think... Florida coming off a big win against Auburn. They're going to be kind of lackadaisical this week. And 
I just think they're going to not start off very well against LSU, and LSU is just going to ride that all the way through. I think LSU is just going to destroy Miami. I mean, not Miami, sorry. Florida. They would destroy <laughs> Miami. They would absolutely <laughs> yeah. destroy This is coming from our Miami fans. They would absolutely destroy Miami. Miami's just not doing well at all this season. But anyways, um, I think that LSU is going to beat Florida this week because I'm just kind of thinking. Oh, sorry. Okay. I just think they're going to do better. I got the Gators in this one strictly off of more of a personal belief. You know, the Tigers, they did, you know, inch out a win over the long court. So, you know, I, I think I think Florida can get Texas's payback. Nobody has been able to stop Joe Burrow this year. I think that continues. Joe Burrow has a massive game, adds to his Heisman resume, and LSU wins. And then we get to hear Ed Oregon speak in the post-game conference, which is always beautiful when oh. that man speaks. But Jonah mentioned the Longhorns earlier, and they are playing a big game. It's the Red River Red River rivalry this week against Oklahoma. Sixth-ranked Oklahoma versus 11th-ranked Texas. And we'll start with Axel. Oh, Axel does not want to predict this one. We'll start with me. And I think that Jalen Hurts is unstoppable. Even though I'm a big Longhorns fan, hook him. Jalen Hurts is too good. He will probably win the Heisman this year. Uh, yeah, that's a bold prediction. Jalen Hurts is winning the Heisman. But anyway, he's too good for the Texas defense, and Oklahoma will win by seven. I think the real DBU, the University of Texas at Austin, they are going to shock the world in the Cotton Bowl. Jalen Hurts, he's going to be throwing picks left and right with some of the best <laughs> offensive backs in the world at the <laughs> University of Texas. <laughs> Sam Ellinger. One of the most electric stars in college football will be throwing the ball left and right, running the ball left and right, right up the middle to score some touchdowns, and Texas will shock Oklahoma. I'm thinking that Oklahoma is going to do well because they have, like, a good team. They have a good quarterback. Honestly, their team is probably not as good as – well, actually, I think their team is probably better than Texas. Like GW said, I think Texas is going to pull out a shocker and beat Oklahoma this week. I got the UT at Austin, baby, especially with that quarterback. Have you seen that, man? He is, he's a running threat. And Colin Johnson coming back this week, he is an electrifying wide receiver. He makes some – So is C.D. Lamb. Make, hey, oh, my boy Johnson has made some unbelievable grabs. Like I've been home watching him with one foot in bounds, the other stretching out. Five yards out of bounds. He grabs it with one hand. I think that Longhorns take this one by one touchdown. I hate to bring us back to reality, but Oklahoma's going to win the game. They have a better team. They have a better quarterback. And his, over these past few years, Oklahoma has absolutely dominated. Except they for also, Well, they won last year in the Big, Big 12 championship, championship yeah. right? So... Anyway. But that was also a close game. It was not a domination. Yes, but OU is simply just better, and they have a better coach in Lincoln Riley. They're going to win. I'll bring us back in the world of the fanciful. We're going Texas. I think they win by two touchdowns. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Crunch Time Podcast. Signing off for now and saying goodbye, I'm Jack Ringgold.